Hey, Jared. Next is the Hack versus Michael K. Hack versus K. Welcome to Geek Fights, the Ponzi Scheme of Podcasting. I'm Damon Shaw. And Barry's microphone is open, but with me as always is Mr. Mike Ortiz. Mike, what are we fighting about today? Well, uh, tonight's topic is uh, is another strange one. It is Gene Hackman versus Michael Caine. So uh, who's joining us today? Well, first off, it's not a strange one. It comes from uh, the movie, the, uh, what's his name, Jeremy Piven Vehicle, that is PCU. There was a character in the movie that was doing a thesis on Michael Caine versus Gene Hackman, and it was that at any given time, you could turn on a TV and just keep flipping through the channels, and you will find either a Gene Hackman movie or a Michael Caine movie. Hey, what's he doing? He's finishing his senior thesis. Big man is trying to prove the Kane Hacking theory. No matter what time it is, 24 hours a day, you can find a Michael Kane or a Gene Hackman movie playing on TV. Is that yes, that's the beauty of college these days, Tommy. You can major in Game Boy if you know how to bullshit. Which in 1995 may or may not be true, but today probably is true when you have a thousand channels. But joining us this afternoon is uh, B.J. Anderson. Hey! <laughs> uh... Chris Mitchell. She's blown me fucking toes off, George. Jario! <laughs> Barry Ingram. Evening, everybody. Uh, so, how do the fights work, Mike? Well, each of our panelists has chosen three Michael Caine things and three Gene Hackman things. Uh, we randomly uh, match them up. Uh, we throw in two more chosen by Geekbyte staff, and then we randomly match them up. Drop them in the tournament-style brackets that you can download from our website at geekfights.net. Now, one half is going to be Gene Hackman. One half is going to be Michael Caine. And in the very end, final round, the best of Michael Caine will score off against the best of Gene Hackman to see who the winner is. Uh, As always, there are no wrong answers. So you can use any rationale you want. And on these, it's really irrational. It's, It's whatever you want. Any crazy idea that you've got that makes it work uh that's what we call geek logic and uh, good geek logic has been known to sway votes so choose your argument wisely because the first time we did something like this uh king tut's asshole won so that was was that the first time yeah that was the first time that was when we first time we did one of these kind of one guy versus another guy fight so okay well, yeah i i doubt that we'll end up with king, king tut's asshole because it's not on this list but bj it wasn't on this- that list either I know, but it's not even close. <laughs> BJ, this first fight is yours. It is the conversation. Well, uh, I should say we're in Gene Hackman land right now. It is the conversation versus Harry Zim from Get Shorty. All right. Well, I've never seen Get Shorty. I know it's kind of not my favorite. It's not my kind of thing, but I know if I watched it, it would be. 
But I've seen the conversation, and it's a really strong performance from him. It's a really underrated movie because it's one of Coppola's that it was the one that fell in between The Godfathers. It still got nominated for Oscars, but it probably should have been given some more love in its own time. And Gene Hackman is amazing in it. He's really more restrained than what we usually get to see him as. So I am going with The Conversation. A vote for The Conversation. Jolly-o, Chris! Tally-ho. Um, I'll, I'll say it now, and I'll probably end up saying this again throughout the course of the episode, is that um, this uh, particular fight, I got to watch some films that I haven't seen in a long time or have never seen before and really enjoyed um, getting the prep done on this one. It's been an absolute pleasure. And one of the things that was an absolute pleasure was the conversation. Get Shorty is a great film in its own right, but the conversation was something that I'd never really heard about I heard about it. I never really had a reason to watch until now. And I watched it and it was awesome. And it was Hackman's performance in that is as good as you're going to get for that sort of lonely uh, spy who is um, paranoid and uh, descends into madness by the end of it. It's a really wonderful performance. So I will go for the conversation. Another vote for the conversation. Barry. In uh, the converse, the Gene Hackman character in the conversation, I like that character because we saw him as a character who was uh, uh, technically uh, in the technical uh, uh, surveillance electronics, but he wasn't the best. He made mistakes. He effed up every now and then. And I sort of like a, a, a character that's written that, that really isn't perfect. On uh, Get Shorty, uh, Gene Hackman plays the movie producer. And in this world of of, of uh, movies, uh, it's uh, was said that movies is kind of like sausage. You don't want to see how it's made. And that's what we see in Get Shorty. And Harry Zim is a good example of that. All he wants to do is just make movies. And with all the stuff going around and with the loan sharks and the and the people wanting their money back and the drug deals gone back and getting money, he, he, he just wants to make his movie. He's single-minded and focused about that. And I like that about the character and the fact that he did end up making the movie that he wanted to in the end. I'm going to vote for Harry Zim. A vote for Harry Zim, Mike. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to vote for the conversation. I'm actually surprised that it's gotten as much uh, love as it has, uh, as was said earlier. It, all, it often gets overlooked uh, because, uh, you know, on, on either side of it, Coppola did much bigger, more popular movies, but I think uh, this is one of Coppola's best movies, and I think it's one of Hackman's best performances. It's a very subtle, uh, very understated performance. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out. It's a slow movie. It's a it's a very quiet movie, but it's it's kind of a the, an, an intrigue movie, a thriller movie. Uh, some of the best sound design of any movies in the seventies. Uh, it's a great movie that deserves a lot more love than it's gotten over the the last. 30, 40 years or so. So I'm glad that it's getting some attention here. A vote for the conversation. And I will be voting for Harry Zim because uh, I I still haven't watched the conversation. Number one. Number two, uh, I'm not voting for Harry Zim from Get Shorty. I'm voting for him from, what's the second movie? What's the sequel to Get Shorty? Sequel. (laughs) Yeah, it's got a sequel. And I like it way better than Get Shorty. Like a million times better. The Rock is hilarious in it. Uh, but I'm voting for him in the sequel to Get Shorty, uh, which I can't remember the name of. But the conversation is moving on, and we're on to our next fight. Chris, this one is yours. 
It is Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor versus his performance in the Birdcage, also known as, in its original format, La Cage à Faux. En français! Chris? Uh, I... I think there's performance in the Birdcage. I, I, the Birdcage is one of those movies that I, I, I was made to watch, thinking that it was going to be, you know, uh, not not for me at all. And I found it to be a really funny, quirky movie. With I mean, the whole cast in it is very good, and, and Hackman's a, a great part of that. But for much of my life, he's been the Lex Luthor that I think of because of his performances. And he does do a, a good job. I mean, it, uh, later on we find out he didn't want to shave his moustache. He didn't want to shave his head. He didn't. He didn't want this. He didn't want that. He probably wasn't um, very happy to be on the set all the time. But I, I think that just just for childhood uh, nostalgia, I'll uh, I'll put Lex Luthor as my vote. A vote for Luthor. Uh, Barry. His character in the Birdcage. At first, I thought it was just going to be a stereotype right wing who comes to the realization that uh, that that oh horror gay people aren't really that bad after all but he put certain nuances in it that that made it to be an interesting character but come on we're talking about Lex Luthor here the greatest criminal mind of our time I've got to vote for Luthor no love for Lakaja foe Mike yeah I mean everyone knows my love of, of Superman my love of Superman the movie um, and even though, uh, Hackman's performance as Luther nowadays is, uh, far from being the, the iconic ding performance that, you know, we think of, uh, with, you know, Lex Luthor from Smallville or from Superman, the animated series, I mean, those have replaced Hackman as Lex Luthor. Uh, but for a very long time, he, he really, he owned that character and his Lex Luthor was a very, very different character than the Lex Luthor of the comics of the day. Yet, uh, nobody bitched, nobody complained because he, he was actually far more entertaining than the, the purple and green jumpsuited mad scientist that we had in the comics, uh, in, in 1978. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's definitely Lex Luthor. Uh, for me, it's definitely La Cajapo, the birdcage. Uh, like, like Barry said, like, it brought uh, it brought homophobia home. It didn't make them. It didn't make him into a crazy guy. Because you know they they very very easily do that. And well, used to do that in movies where where if somebody was scared of gay people, they were irrationally scared of gay people, and it was easy to be like, oh, they're bad guys. But when when they when you tweak his performance and he's not completely irrational, it's just a, a slight misunderstanding. I, I I like that about a lot about that. So uh, to go with Le Cajapo. Plus, I like to say it in français. En français, uh, BJ. Yeah, even though I did get the birdcage, it's against Lex Luthor before, and yeah, it has to go to Lex. And Lex Luthor is into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Barry, this this one is yours. It is Royal Tenenbaum from the Royal Tenenbaums versus A Bridge Too Far. Uh, I tried to watch A Bridge Too Far and ended up falling asleep like 40 minutes in it. And the Royal Tenenbaum, I, I really like characters in movies who are total assholes. And it's fun to watch uh, the Gene Hackman character, Royal try to do what he thinks right, but 
God, he just ends up being an asshole every time. And, and I really like that about his character. So I am going to vote for Mr. Royal Tannenbaum. Uh, vote for Royal. Mike. Um, now, see, I put a bridge too far on this list. And it is also on the Michael Caine side because Michael Caine was also in this movie. It's the only movie the two of them were in together. Uh, so I thought it would be a neat idea to uh, try and, and make these passionate arguments and, and sway people uh, and get to a bridge too far versus a bridge too far in the final round, which would be kind of strange. Uh, but problem number one, I actually didn't get around to watching a bridge too far. Uh, it's a long movie. Um, it's I, mean, I, I know I've seen it many, many years ago, but I don't remember it enough to kind of sing any praises for it. And two, it's up against Royal Tannenbaum, which uh, that that character or that performance in many ways for me was, was Hackman's kind of comeback. Um, he had, you know, there, there was a long period throughout the eighties and even through the nineties where, uh, you know, people just started calling him hack man because he was just cranking out fairly sort of blah performances and a lot of, you know, mediocre to crappy movies, but you know, in Royal Tenenbaum in, in the Royal Tenenbaums, uh, as Royal Tenenbaum, he kind of reminded us, uh, what a great actor he is, what a great character actor he was and, and really what a great comedic actor he was. So unfortunately, even though I'd like to push for a bridge too far, uh, I can't. Yeah, I was never going to push for a bridge too far. Gene Hackman, uh, reminds me of my grandfather. <laughs> he looks just like him. And not just like him. There there's similarities. And yes, my, my grandfather was very light skinned. Uh but the character Royal Tenenbaum, more than any other character, reminds me of my grandfather because not only did he think he was doing the right thing, he did want to do the right thing by his family at the end. Like the the, the he wanted to make amends, he wanted to do the right thing. And I saw that in my grandfather a lot, you know, because my grandfather was an alcoholic. He 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 wanted to make amends for being a drunk when we were younger, when he was when he was younger, and he did want to try and make, do the right thing later on. And unlike <laughs> the Royal Tenenbaum, he he succeeded. I'm voting for Royal Tenenbaum. BJ? Yeah, I'm going for Royal too. I think it is one. It, it's a shame it was nominated for an Oscar because I think he would have won that Oscar easily. And that was sorry. It's a great shame about that performance. He's amazing. He elevates that movie to something that I wasn't before. I'm going with Royal. Another vote for Royal. Chris, is it a clean sweep? Uh, Normally, I would say no, but I, too, tried to watch A Bridge Too Far and didn't get very far into it. Probably about a quarter of an hour before I went, this isn't doing anything for me and I'm not going to be able to watch it, so it's a clean sweep. Oh, well, a bridge too far. Apparently, it's not going too far in this fight, especially on the other side. Looks like uh, Karen's uh, unknown pick is making it to the next round. Uh, but we are on to our next fight. Uh, Mike, this one is yours. It is Captain Frank uh, Ramsey versus he retired on his own terms. This is a, this is a strange one. Uh, what was Frank Ramsey from again? Uh, I do recall. Crimson Tide. Print, okay, yeah. Uh, that was a, a great uh, a great performance, um, but I really like the idea that that Hackman just kind of decided rather than than take the kind of shitty roles that he was inevitably going to be getting, uh, he just bowed out and and now he's actually an author. Um, so uh, I'd say 
for going out gracefully, and that's something that, that not a lot of actors do, uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Retired on His Own Terms. A vote for Retired on His Own Terms. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is nice. He, he did retire gracefully because Welcome to Mooseport is not a horrible film. I mean, it's not my cup of tea, but it's not a horrible film. Uh, but uh, a great film is Crimson Tide. It it always gets uh, put up against um, Hunt for Red October, and everybody's like, Hunt for Red October is a better movie. Hunt for Red October is a better movie. And I watched you know both pretty close to each other, and, I, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, no, Crimson Tide is a much better movie. You've got Gene Hackman acting his ass off opposite Denzel Washington. It is a great movie, and it is a great performance that he gives in Crimson Tide. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Captain Frank Ramsey. Uh, BJ. Okay, so yes, Crimson Tide is a good movie, but let's okay, let's compare careers really quickly. I know we're in Hackman land, but let's go with Kane. Yes, he's been in some really good movies, but go to his IMDb page, and he was in besides The Dark Knight Rises, he was in Journey Two and Cars Two were the last couple of movies that he released. That is not going out gracefully. Hackman did. Hagman hasn't made a movie since 04, 05. And they're both around the same age. I think Hackman did it on his own terms. I'm happy he did. That's why I'm voting where he retired on his own terms. A vote for retiring on his own terms. Chris? I I think that, that Crimson Tide is one of those... It's one of those Hackman performances that, that came... When he wasn't possibly doing his his best, the best work that he was doing, it was you know twenty years after um, uh, French Connection and things like that. And Denzel Washington at the time was at the peak of his powers. You know he he was winning. I don't know. It just won an Oscar. Uh, well, it was it was in in the time when he was was really at the height of his powers. And and Hackman and Washington sat opposite each other. Uh, in the, in the last five minutes, just staring each other down, and the whole performance is throughout. I think I think it's one of Hackman's better performances at, at heading towards the later end of his career. So I will vote for Captain Frank Ramsey. Uh, vote for Captain Ramsey. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Barry. Which one is going to take the in, win? In Crimson Tide, Captain Frank Ramsey. I think. Gene Hackman uh, gives a performance that are like a lot of his characters where they have their own specific code and they stick to it throughout the movie no matter what happens. It would have been real easy for Gene Hackman to, to capitulate because Denzel Washington's character did have the better argument and, and, and of what to do, but, but Gene Hackman knew that his character, Frank Ramsey, would not do that because he'd been in the Navy since Jesus was a corporal and, and had his code and he stuck to it. But when you retire on your own terms, you avoid the situation that happens to like um, um, the, the Carradine guy who, who acted until he was like 100 and ended up being in Mystery Science Theater to 3000 movies. So I'm really glad that he did that and living the good life in Santa Fe and, and enjoying the fresh air. But Captain Ramsey is getting my vote because of the very strong character and, and was an excellent opposite Denzel Washington. And it is a better movie in my opinion than red October. I want to change my vote. Uh, you want to change your vote to captain Ramsey? Yes. Just because I want to, uh, agree with the notion that crimson tide is a better movie than red October. Okay. Well, 
Captain Ramsey is going through. You didn't have to shout. I want to change my vote. It was going through anyway. I, yeah, but I just, because when you said a lot of people say that Red October is a better movie, and I'm, for me, just no way. I know. It's crazy, but so many people are like, I'm for Red October is better. Like, really? And it's because they're both submarine movies. But anyway, we're on to our next fight. Damon. Oh, wait, not me. This one is yours. It is Enemy of the State versus didn't want to shave his mustache for Superman. Well, Lex Luthor is into the next round, so we've already got that aspect of Superman in it. And Enemy of the State, he plays a pretty badass, crazy guy. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Enemy of the State, his performance in Enemy of the State. Uh, BJ? I really like the fact that he didn't want to shave his mustache. It shows another of his stubbornness traits, stubbornness issues that he has throughout his career. But we do, like you said, already have Lex through on like on in the next round, so I think I'm going to go to Enemy of the State, and it shows another psychotic and chaotic performance of his. He does ever so well. Another vote for Enemy of the State, Chris. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going along with everything that's been said so far. We we have got Superman covered. I mean, I didn't want to go to work last Monday, but I went. He didn't want to shave his mustache, and he did. Um, uh, Enemy of the State is. It's a solid performance. I mean, it's a callback to his uh, character in the conversation, really. Um, you know, a uh, uh, surveillance expert and all that jazz. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Enemy of the State. Barry? I'm, I'm going to vote for Enemy of the State as well. Uh, didn't shave his mustache for Superman. It sounds like something that, that Cranky Jing Hackman would do, but... I like the clean shaven like Luthor, but not as much as I like uh, Enemy of the State. Mr. Ortiz. Um, I, I agree with everything everyone has said. Uh, Enemy of the State is a great performance and a great movie. And, uh, you know, we've got Lex moving forward. I'm going to vote for uh, for the mustache thing, though, just to tell the, the actual story, which I think is a great story, uh, which is uh, Hackman had a mustache at the time. He did not want to shave it. He refused. Uh, he obviously did not shave his head, um, but uh, and and he only wanted to wear a, a bald cap for for that ending scene. Um, but what Richard Donner did is he made a deal with him, as he told him that that Donner said that he would shave his mustache for the movie if Hackman would shave his mustache off for the movie. So Hackman showed up. Uh, they shaved his mustache off, and then Hackman said, "Okay, it's your turn." And uh, Richard Donner did not have a mustache. He had a fake one applied by the makeup crew that day, and he just peeled it off right in front of him, uh, showing him that he had actually just tricked him the whole time. And I think that's a great story. Uh, you know, Richard Donner uh, was a, a clever man. He actually managed to make a good Superman movie despite uh, all the things working against him. Um, if it was not moving on, I would vote for uh, Enemy of the State. But since it is, I'll just give a little love to uh, the mustache story. Uh, nice vote for the mustache glory, but Enemy of the State is moving on. We're on to our next fight. BJ, this one is yours. It is Popeye Doyle uh, versus Rupert Anderson from Mississippi Burning. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Well, yes, Mississippi Burning is a decent movie. He's really good in it, but come on. Popeye Doyle, French Connection, are we really going down this road? Yes, Popeye Doyle all the way. Uh, vote for Popeye Doyle. Uh, Chris. Popeye Doyle. Uh, 
Barry? In Mississippi Burning, uh, Gene Hackman plays the FBI guy who used to be the sheriff down in the one of the redneck southern towns down there. And it was uh, interesting, the reaction of the people when he came back, and he's talking to the locals, and the locals are just eyeing with suspicion, saying, you know, you ain't from here no more. You're one of them Yankees now. But that's one of the reasons why I think it works, that character, because he is from there. He knows how they think. He knows that the changes are going to come overnight, that it's got to be something gradual and, and, and something to, 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 to show the, the, the badness of their ways there. Um, but that being said, I really like the Rupert Anderson character, uh, but I'm going to vote for Popeye Doyle, and I'm going to go and pick my feet in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> Mike? Yeah, pretty much what everybody else has said. Uh, Popeye Doyle. I mean, again, nothing wrong with Mississippi Burning. It's a, a great movie, uh, a vastly entertaining movie, um, but... Uh, Popeye Doyle is uh, iconic, ding, and uh, and it's also his name's Popeye. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. I, I'm just uh, voting against the clean sweep. That's all I'm doing right now, and I wanted to say, yes, they deserve to die. I hope they burn in hell, and I'm not doing my Samuel L. Jackson. I'm doing my Dave Chappelle Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, yeah, Popeye Doyle is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Chris, this one is yours. And uh, October 30th, 2012, he slapped a homeless man in the face versus Unforgiven. See, I, I checked up the story on uh, slapped a homeless man in the face. And there's, there's conflicting opinion as to whether the homeless man was causing problems or whether Hackman just walked up and slapped a homeless man in the face. But either way, it doesn't change the fact that the performance that he gives in Unforgiven is top quality. It is absolutely fantastic. It, it follows the theme of some of the other characters that he's had in the past where, uh, like, like Captain uh, Frank Doyle, he's not really wrong in what he's doing. It's just that his view of what's right and wrong is a little bit to the left or the right of the protagonist of the piece. Um, I think that, that Unforgiven is, should be a powerhouse in this fight, and I will vote for it now and hope and wait and see how it gets on. Uh, vote for Unforgiven, Barry. From reading what they what they said on the news reports, there the the homeless guy uh, pretty much called um, Gene Hackman's wife the absolute most vulgar uh, word that you can use for a lady. And the fact that he just if that was true, and the fact that he just slapped him and didn't stomp the shit out of him, I think shows remarkable restraint and, and would be a, a good for a vote. If it were against. Some other things, I might vote for slapping a homeless man because of the honor and the chivalry, defending his wife's honor. But, yeah, Unforgiven, uh, a very awesome portrayal. Uh, the, the sheriff's character, he has that, that Gene Hackman code that I was talking about earlier, about what he believes in and what he sticks to. Some of it's not right in the big picture, but it's right to him, and, and he never wavers from it. So I'm going to vote for Unforgiven. Should have totally put on, uh, what is that, Quicksilver. Uh, <laughs> Mike? I agree with everything people have said about Unforgiven. Uh, great movie, a great performance. He, he was a little reluctant, as I recall, to do that at first. Um, just in, in, in principle, because he didn't know if he wanted to, to go with the Western route. And then, you know, upon really seeing the script and getting into the, and, and really realizing what the character was, he, uh, he realized this was 
far from just a, a typical Western role. But uh, I'm still going to vote for slapping a homeless person because I kind of want to slap homeless people too. I'll vote for slapping a homeless man in the face. Yeah, hearing the whole story makes it uh, not as much fun. Uh, but I, I do like the fact that he just hauled off and slapped a homeless dude. Like, a slap. That, that's one of the most degrading things you can do to anybody is slap them. And Gene Hackman did it with honor and respect because he's Gene Hackman. I'm voting for Gene Hackman slapping a woman in the uh, Sorry, a homeless I man in the face. Gene Hackman slapping the woman. a woman in the face? <laughs> no, no. But but it is all tied up. It comes down to you, BJ. Which one takes the win? I mean, I love the story about him slapping a homeless man just because, you know, it just shows how much of a quote-unquote old coot he is. But come on, it's unforgiven. He won the Academy Award for it, and he, he deserved it. It wasn't just when they threw, they threw it at him because it's Gene Hackman. He's amazing, and it. let's just get this over with. Unforgiven. And Unforgiven is into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Uh, Barry, this one is yours. It is Normandale from Hoosiers versus the first and only unknown for this side of the bracket. It is Jared's pick. It is, well, it was already mentioned once. The three historical fictional novels that he's written is the fact that he's become a writer after the after his acting career. Okay. Uh that that is interesting that that he's uh, applied his his knowledge and, and his craft and I'm I'm sure that he's as good a writer as he is an actor, uh, given the fact of of the way that he prepares for himself and I'm sure he he did some good work, but I put uh, Norman Dale and Hoosiers on there because he it's a role that he took a small town basketball coach in the fifties. And I just love the way that he immersed himself in that. And the the things that I got from it is that if you're going to be a successful basketball coach, you've got to be first off the technical the, the technocrat basketball coach, knowing the X's O's and O's and how to play the game. Also, you got to be a father figure to the high school boys that you're doing. Now, granted, boys in the '50s weren't as unruly and as the as the teenagers now, but still, you had to to keep that hand and, and watch out for him and help him to grow. And you also had to be a, a successful politicker with the parents that wanted to meddle in affairs. And he wove those three aspects of the small town basketball coach really, really well. And I thought he gave a really good performance and, and made me maybe just really want to root for him. So I'm going to vote for Normandale. Uh, vote for Normandale. Mike. Uh, I am going to vote for uh, becoming an author, um, even though I, I agree with everything uh, that's been said about Hoosiers. Uh, I think, you know, like, you know, we had talked earlier about, uh, you know, retiring on his own terms. Um, this just shows a, a, a versatility that, that you don't necessarily get with a lot of other, other actors. Um, and, and it just shows the kind of talent and creativity is just sort of part of, of who he is. I have not read the, the books uh, and I'm not likely to read the books, but the fact that he was able to find another of his passions and, uh, and channel his, his, uh, his abilities into that, I, I think is pretty remarkable. Uh, vote for writing books. Um, well, I'm illiterate as everyone knows, but 
it's a basketball movie that has. Uh, are there any black people in Hoosiers? I, I don't. I don't recall that. It's it's Indiana in the fifties, and it's basketball. There 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 shouldn't be black people because it would be inaccurate if there were because it's Indiana in the fifties, and uh, they really didn't. Well, there were, black there were black people then. in the final game because they played a school from Indianapolis, I think, that had come into the twentieth century and integrated. But yeah, you're right. Most most uh, rural teams were were one hundred percent white. So wait, wait. So they beat the black team to take the state championship. I don't remember Hoosiers very well, but fuck them. Uh, I'm voting for the three historical novels. Uh, histor- historical fiction novels. <laughs> BJ. I I didn't realize he was an author. I and I don't know if I would want to read some of his books, but if someone has and they're good, I would like to know. But it's Hoosiers is another one of his iconic, like, later half of his career performances. It seems like, especially in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, it seems like he's on a roll. And so, Hoosiers. A vote for Hoosiers. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Chris. Which one is going to take the win? See, this is difficult to decipher because Hoosiers is one of those films that until preparing for this particular geek fight, I had no in for. I, I, Coming from England, as I do, why would I want to watch a uh, film about a basketball team in Indiana in the 50s? Like, There's no reason for me to watch it whatsoever. But I did watch it in preparation for this, and I thought that it was a very good movie it it was what you'd expect it to be um hackman's performance was pretty good but the the going on to become a historical fiction writer it it kind of puts a rubber stamp on on the personality that is hackman himself in that he didn't retire as as much from acting is that he was done with acting and he's moved on to do something else with his life and i'm guessing that he's still writing books now you would you would think um, so I, I'm going to I'm going to go with with the fact that he became a writer. I think I think that's more more of Gene Hackman than than Hoosiers is. And the fact that he became a historical fiction writer is moving on, and we are on to our next fight, which is the first of the Kane Zone. I don't know what else to say. I think Kane Zone is the best way to go about it. Mike, this fight is yours. But it's not it, Michael Caine is nominated for an Oscar in every decade from 1960 all the way through 2010. Like that all the way cuz I don't think he's been nominated yet for this particular decade that we're in. Versus uh when speaking about Jaws 4, he says, this is a quote, I've never seen the film. I have seen the house that is built and it's terrific. That's a quote. From Mr. Kane. Um, actually, that the the full quote is: "I have never seen the film, but by all accounts, it was terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built, and it's terrific." Um, and I'm going to vote for that quote. Uh, and it's funny because here are two strangely, vastly different things, both of which, uh, in many ways, are quintessential Michael Caine. Uh, one of them is his tremendous talent as an actor, being nominated every decade. Uh, is is really a, a monumental thing, uh, and shows just how many great performances and great movies that he's given. But the quote uh, shows the opposite end, which is that 
despite all his talent, despite uh, all of these great things, Kane views himself as a working actor. And a working actor is someone who works. And if you don't have a great performance, if you don't have a great movie to be in, you take something. Um, and, and it, you know, it's funny. Someone, I think it was actually Kane who, who even said once, something along the lines of acting is the only profession where people will, will attack you for trying to work continuously. So rather than just sit back and wait for great stuff to come along, he wants to keep working. Uh, that's the kind of actor that he is. Uh, and even if it is a shitty movie like Jaws four, if he doesn't have another thing come across his desk, well, what the hell he'll do it. And, uh, and if it pays for a very nice house in the process, even better. So, uh, for the honesty of that quote and the honesty of that attitude and really what boils down to a great work ethic, uh, I'm going to vote for the quote. Uh, vote for the quote and a work ethic. Uh, but I think the fact that he's been nominated for an Oscar six times, uh, and, and won two, it's kind of B.A. Like every decade, like with uh, like clockwork, if he makes it through this this decade and continues to make movies, I'm sure he'll be nominated again, playing another old guy doing something pretty sweet. So I'm I'm gonna vote for nominated for an Oscar in uh, well four decades, at least one four decades. BJ. I'm an Oscar fanatic, so I can appreciate the fact he was nominated for an Oscar in every decade from the 60s to 2000s, but. So has Jack Nicholson, and I know that's a rare thing to be able to pull together too. But I mean, he shows the longevity of his career, and but which is not it's not a bad thing. But I think the quote shows like his droll sense of humor and the fact that yeah, he's the first one to admit he's made some pretty terrible movies purely for the money, and it shows the sense of humor that I really like how it came. So I'm going with the quote. Uh, vote for the quote, Chris. I, I'm the fact that he's been nominated for an Oscar in every decade is is a great achievement for any actor. But I am getting swayed towards voting for the quote because it it's almost as if you know he he can take the the accolades of of being nominated for an Oscar and, and winning Oscars and stuff like that with, with grace and, you know, nobility and everything like that and takes it all in his stride. And equally, he can he can brush off criticism of, of bad films that he's been in with a quote like this. You know, obviously, I, I don't know the, the situation where the quote arrived, but you would imagine it's a journalist saying, well, you know, you were in Jaws 4. That was a shit movie. And he said, well, I've never seen the film, blah, 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 blah. So I, I think that, that that way of approaching you know, uh, and dealing with people criticizing a bad movie that you're in is is good and it's refreshing. So I'll go for the quote. Another vote for the quote, and Barry. Since uh, I think the the quote has already moved on, I'm going to vote for nominated in every decade just to uh, just to uh, show a little bit of of uh, respect for the quality of work that he's done over the years and and uh, and and his uh, his acting. A vote for his Oscar. Well, yeah, I was was just I was giving it some gravitas because it's Oscar stuff, and it lost to a pretty a pretty sweet quote. But the quote is moving on. We're on to our next fight, Damon. This one is yours. It is the Nolan connection, which I I, he's been in a bunch of Nolan films versus Elliot from Hannah and her sisters, uh, something that he actually did win an Academy Award for. Um, 
Well, since you guys put out the Academy Award, uh, him being nominated, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for the one that he won. Uh, in Elliot, in, oh sorry, as Elliot and Hannon, uh, BJ. This one is maybe one of the tougher ones in this in all of this geek fight because yes, he did win his first Academy Award for Elliot, but also like Christopher Nolan has gotten some really great performances out of him, and. To be perfectly honest, that's why a lot of people know him in my generation. They don't know him from all the other performances that we're going to, or a lot of the performances we're going to talk about throughout this battle. They're going to know him as the characters that Christopher Nolan has, his, or as I like to call him, the old boy in all these lighter Chris Nolan movies. I think, though, I will give it to Elliot from Hannah and Her Sisters because it is a different side to him, and I wish he would work more with Woody Allen. Uh, vote for Elliot. Chris? Uh, I, I don't want to slight uh, winning an Oscar and his performance in Hannah and Her Sisters, but I think the Nola connection is, is important. As BJ just said, it, I think it opens Michael Caine up to, to new people. If you haven't seen him in the Batman trilogy, you may have seen him in Inception or you may have seen him in The Prestige. And it's good performances in all of these movies. It's, um, it's something that I uh, you would hope that Christopher Nolan would carry on with and keep putting Kane in movies over and over again, just just to keep making sure that you know one movie in five that Michael Kane is going to make until the point where he stops making movies is is going to be a good performance in a good movie. So my vote is for the Nolan connection. A uh, vote for the Nolan connection. Uh, I'm going to vote for Elliot and Hannah her sisters and. One of the things that I liked about his character in the movie is that with his uh, uh, love for Barbara Hershey and the fact that, that he was able to subtly and, and without beating it over the head show her that she was, in fact, not happy with the guy that she was with. And I just like the fact that he was able to take his character and take the ages-old idea of, of an affair and, and, and make it into a thing where he's more of like a counselor in, in to Barbara Hershey and showing her where she really would be happy. And I like the character. I like the movie. I'm going to vote for Elliot. Mr. Ortiz? Um. Uh, I appreciate the the Nolan connection a great deal. Uh, we've got Alfred Pennyworth on this list, uh, and that uh, you know really is is three of the five movies in that that Nolan connection. Um, and then you know that basically just means that uh, Nolan's one of those directors that that likes to keep working with the same actors over and over again, uh, much like Woody Allen often does. Um, but Woody Allen put uh, put Michael Caine in a, a fairly significant role. I mean, the, the Alfred Pennyworth role and the role in the prestige and in, uh, inception are all, all good roles, but they're all very, very minor father figure type roles. Um, but the role in Hannah and her sisters is much, much meatier, much juicier. Uh, it's, it's the character is more flawed, has more of an emotional roller coaster. Uh, I think I'm going to vote for Elliot. And Elliot takes the win. We are on to our next fight. BJ, this one is yours. It is Jaws for the Revenge. Hell yeah! Versus his Oscar speech. I don't know which Oscar speech, but it's his Oscar okay, speech. Okay, I can actually clarify that. Um, for 
when he wasn't with Oscar for Hannah and her sisters, he was kind of not there because he was filming the retakes for Jaws for the Revenge. So this would be his Oscar speech for winning the Oscar, the Oscar for Cider House Rules in 99. Um, I, oh, this one is another toughie because I do want to vote for Jaws the Revenge because apparently it's a god-awful movie I have yet to see or more appropriate endure that movie, but I want to eventually. But the Oscar speech he did was, it was sincere. It was funny. The, if you guys haven't seen it, you should totally YouTube it because he does tell Tom Cruise to not get stuck being a supporting actor because it will make his career longer yet, so make him worth less in the long run because this is back when Tom Cruise was huge. So, and it shows a lot of the great traits we've mentioned so far about King, that he's self-deprecating, he's funny, he's sincere. He just seems like a cool dude when he wants to. So I'm going with the Oscar speech. I don't think it's going to win, but I'm going with the Oscar speech. Uh, vote for the Oscar speech. Chris? I, I, I'm in agreement. I, I think that the Oscar speech is... is one of the, the better acceptance speeches that you'll see in the Oscars. He he talks about all of the other nominees um, in glowing terms. And it, it's it's one of those ones that he, he you get the feeling that he didn't think he was going to have a chance to stand up there again. So he wanted to get, a, you know, uh, to, to pass out some some praise to, to people that deserve it. And it, it almost you almost get the feeling watching it that he didn't possibly didn't think that he deserved to be up there. And Jaws the Revenge is just an absolute shit hit of a movie. So, Oscar speech. A vote for the Oscar speech. Uh, Perry. Um, I'm going to sort of invoke geek spite here because I thought that Michael Clark Duncan should have won for the Green Mile. And because of that, I'm going to vote for Jaws the Revenge. A vote for Jaws the Revenge. Mike. Uh, I'm going to vote for Jaws the Revenge, uh, specifically Michael Felsher's description of the ending of the movie. Um, I I don't think I ever saw Jaws for the Revenge, but uh, the way he described it in worst sequel uh, was ac- absolutely spellbinding. Um, and uh, you know, I think I may uh, I may play that as uh, as either the outro if by some weird chance it wins, or if not, maybe just at the break. Uh, vote for Jaws for the Revenge. It is all tied up. It comes down to me. And I actually went to the Oscars.org or whatever, and you can actually read the speech. And, and you're right. It is, a, it is a glorious speech. He's very glowing about everybody. And uh, I, well, I guess it's not his life. What else was he nominated? He was nominated for something in, from 2000 to 2010. I don't know what it was. Was it Alfred or was it The Prestige? It was one of those two. I know that much. Um, and I don't know that he'll ever make it on the stage again because his parts are getting less and less and smaller and smaller. I want to vote for it, but Jaws for the Revenge is also... Ah, but it's represented by that goddamn quote. But it, is, it, but it is a testament to him just being a working actor. He'll do anything. He's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll be in your movie. How much are you paying me? All right, I'll do it. Because... It's a job, and he and he treats it as such. He treats it as a craft and a job. And uh, I'm going to vote for Jaws for the revenge. Jaws for the revenge is into the next round. We are on to our next fight, Chris. This one is yours. 
It is Denny Mortwell from Mona Lisa versus. You can go ahead and say the quote, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah, I go just ahead. to blow the bloody doors off. There we go. Uh, that's from the, uh, the Italian, Italian job? job. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, I like to say the more don't, offensive don't Italian that. job. But uh, <laughs> go ahead. Chris. Uh, I, 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 I love. I love the quote, and I I, uh, I put this on the list. I put it ahead of the Italian job, the movie, because sometimes uh, a a character can get lost in a movie, and especially a sort of a caper, a heist caper like the Italian job is, you can kind of lose the character a little bit with the ensemble cast and everything that's going on. Um, it's one of those moments where where you where the movie just clicks because of the way that the the line is delivered um, and the the gravity that you know the fact that they blew the entire uh, van up you know it, everything's starting to go you know the 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 whole situation that they're getting into is is looking like it could be in a bit of je- jeopardy but Mona Lisa is another one of the movies that I never watched until preparing for this and it was another one that I was absolutely bowled over by it's not a Michael Caine movie it's a Bob Hoskins movie and it's a really really good Bob Hoskins movie um. Kane isn't in it very often, but when he's in it and the, the, the pair of them are, are squared off against each other and having a conversation, it's real cinema gold. It is magical, the pair of them uh, facing off against each other. So it, it's, it's apples and oranges for me. It, it, there really are two wonderful things to be fighting up against each other. But because of, of how, how much of an eye-opener Mona Lisa was, I'm going to vote for Denny Mortwell. A uh, vote for Denny Mortwell. Barry. I, I totally agree with Chris about Mona Lisa being an underrated movie. I think Bob Hoskins might have been nominated for Best Actor for that, and I was hoping that Michael Caine would have would have taken a Best Supporting because he he it was funny because he's he's looking and he's sounding like Michael Caine, but he's just this absolute slimy dealer in underage girls and doesn't doesn't care what happens to them or, or, or what their situation is or anything like that. It's just a business to him. And the fact that he's so matter-of-factly about it when we're dealing with, with people here, with, with, with innocent people, and the way that he pulls it off, it just is one of my favorite performances by him. And I'm going to vote for uh, Denny Mortwell. Uh, vote for Denny Mortwell. Mike? Uh, even though I cannot do it justice, I am going to vote for the quote. Um, I've not seen Mona Lisa. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with it, uh, but I am familiar with it as a Bob Hoskins movie more so than a Michael Caine movie. Uh, the quote, however, is, uh, is a great, uh, it's one of those quotes that people do when they do a Michael Caine impression. Uh, so I'm going to vote for it. Uh, vote for. The quote, Chris, could you do it again for me? Just one more time. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. (laughs) I love it when Chris does it. I'm voting for that. (laughs) Uh, Just because of how Chris does it. And I, too, have not seen Mona Lisa. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, BJ. Which one is moving on? Oh, gosh. Oh, goodness. Um, I've heard good things about Mona Lisa. I've yet to see it. But... I'm kind of getting won over by Chris's impress, impression of Michael Caine saying the quote, so I think the quote is going to move on. Sorry, guys. I voted for Mona Lisa. 
Wait, wait, you're voting no, for Mona Lisa? Sorry, I didn't mean Okay. And the quote, what, what's the quote again, Chris? You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. You didn't say it right. I, say it like Michael like Cage. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. But you'll say it again the next time, right? All right, <laughs> all right. You're only <laughs> supposed to blow the bloody doors off. It's into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Barry, this one is yours. It is Alfred Pennyworth from uh, the Batman films versus Secondhand Lions. Secondhand Lions was a film that I'd never heard about and, and watched it getting ready for this. And it was a really good film. And I love the Michael Caine character and just amazed me when, when he started to talk and it wasn't a Michael Caine accent. That, that was kind of interesting. But again, I, I'm I like I like the Batman movies, and I think we should show Batman some love and one of his big supporting characters, Alfred Pennyworth. So I'm going to vote for Alfred. A uh, vote for Alfred, Mike. Yeah, I'm also going to vote for Alfred. Uh, certainly, you know, do do we need more Batman? Uh, Batman seems to pop up on on lots of things, but uh, in this case. Uh, this was a very different take on Alfred. He was not just the servant. He uh, he was uh, as a friend. He was a comrade. I think the the Alfreds that we had gotten to that point, uh, including I think the animated series, uh, never really quite created that emotional connection between Bruce Wayne and and Alfred. And in this movie, you see it and you understand it. And this is a man that. Uh, that is, is an honorable man, a noble man, a man who's done everything he can uh, for for Bruce Wayne, not because it's his job, but because it's his family. Um, and that was an interesting take and an in- interesting dimension to bring to the character. Plus, I think his casting of of uh, Alfred Pennyworth, uh, Nolan, or Nolan's choice here, and, and I think to a lesser degree, um, the casting of, of Lucius Fox, showed that this was going to be a different kind of movie, that he wasn't swinging for... Uh, this th- This was going to be more of a straightforward drama, which is what we got in those three movies. And and when, when Kane was announced, there was this kind of universal, oh my God, what a great idea. Why hadn't anybody thought to do something like that before? So uh, I'm going to give it to Alfred. A uh, vote for Alfred Pennyworth, and I would almost do that. And, and Mike, they actually do. There are several episodes in the animated series where they actually do talk about their relationship. It's really good. But uh, I will vote against. Uh, this isn't really a vote for Secondhand Lions, but it is definitely a vote against Alfred Pennyworth because Alfred leaves Batman. Fuck that, goddammit. He'd never leave Batman. And, and, and Michael Caine should have known that shit, known that about the character, and been like, no, he would never leave his side, but he did leave him. And fuck him. Yeah, I know. Odd bitterness. But I'm voting for Secondhand Lions. BJ? Um- for Secondhand Lions because as much as I love the Nolan Batman movies, he's not the Alfred when I first, when I picture Alfred in my head, I always go with, I apologize, I don't remember the actor's name from the Burton Schumacher films, but I always picture him first. So every time I see Alfred in Nolan movies, he's always like, hey, Michael Caine, what you doing? Oh, you're in another Nolan movie, that's cool. But I put Secondhand Lions on this list because I think it is slightly an underrated movie. It's got a great little performance for Michael Caine, and 
it's a, just a solid little movie. It's a movie that I grew up with, and I adore to high heaven. So I know it's not a good, it's not going to win this battle, but I just, I thought I just needed some love. Uh, we don't know that it's not going to win. It's oh, all tied up. Sorry. It comes down to Chris Mitchell. Which one is going to take the win, Chris? Yeah, Secondhand Lines is, is a is a good is a good movie. It's it's one of those ones that's like, ah, oh, great! It's Bob Duval and Michael Caine in a movie together. Let's let's sit down and see what they get up to. And it's it's all, all three: Haley Joel Osment, Duval, and Caine. All all three of them have really really good performances in it. But what Damon said earlier has, has swayed me towards voting for for Alfred because it is such a a, a different take than we would be used to seeing from Alfred in that. Um, you can see it in Kane's performance and the writing, more important, where the, the writing is portrayed well by Kane, is that it's killing Alfred that Bruce is going out and doing this. And it gets to the point where he can't watch him go out and kill himself and he has to leave. And I think that the Alfred performance is integral to making the, the Nolan trilogy work. So I'm going to go with Alfred. A vote for Alfred, and Alfred Pennyworth is moving on because he's a fucking asshole. But we're on to our next fight. <clears throat> Mike, this one is yours. It is, she's only 16 years old, or there's actually a full quote uh, from The Trip, which is, I can't remember the two actors doing it, but it was just them battling back and forth Michael Caine impressions, versus Dr. Bradford Cr- Crane from The Swarm. Uh, first of all, I never saw the swarm. Uh, so I'm going to vote for the quote for the sketch. Really? It, it's a, it's kind of a bit, uh, it's in the movie, the, the trip, uh, which was also, I believe a, a TV show before it was edited together for a movie. Um, it is, uh, it's got Steve, what's Steve Coogan. Is that his name? And I, and, and another guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, but in this scene, they are basically discussing the proper way to do a Michael Caine impression, uh, going back and forth. Both of them do a great impression. Um, but, uh, when, when Steve Coogan does his, uh, she was only 16 years old, uh, in part of it, of the impression. I don't even remember what movie that came from. Uh, it's absolutely spot on. It's fantastic. It's a hilarious scene, uh, in, in the movie. I think it's the best scene in the movie. Uh, and, uh, and it's a great Michael Caine impression. Uh, vote for the trip. Yeah, I can't do a Michael Caine impression. I guess I could if I tried, but I can't do one as good as my, like, Dr. Claw. I'll get you. She's only 16. That's it. Like, I could do that, but it doesn't really work for a Michael Caine impression. Uh, so, but I'm still voting for that scene because that scene is quite amazing. BJ? I had never even heard of the swarm before. I don't even know. I'm assuming that's like a sci-fi horror movie. I, I didn't really research it. Because when I saw what was against, which, as you can clearly tell throughout this battle, we kind of enjoy people doing Michael Caine impressions. So I think I'm going with the trip and the quote. Another vote for the trip. Chris. I hadn't uh, seen the trip until uh, the email started going backwards and forwards, and there was a link to a, a, a YouTube clip of it. Uh, it, it is really good, and it's one of those things that is uh, is quintessential. Kane is is the Michael Kane uh, impression, and having the two guys, it's uh, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, who's a uh, a Welsh comedian. Having those two back just back and forth across the table doing uh, Michael Kane impressions, it it doesn't sound like it. It's funny, 
but it is. It is absolutely hilarious. And I've never watched The Swarm. It's got to be pretty bad. It's Killer Bees? Killer Bee movie? Yeah, not for me. I'll, I'll go with uh, The Trip. I'll vote for The Trip and Barry. I put The Swarm on here, maybe hoping in some way that we would get a The Swarm versus Jaws 4, although I think The Swarm is probably a much more awful movie than, than Jaws 4. And one of the reasons that, that I put The Swarm on there was just the sheer amusement I had from hearing Michael Caine in his Michael Caine voice and his Michael Caine character saying lines like, I'd never thought I'd see the final face-off in my lifetime, and I never dreamed that it would turn out to be the bees. They've always been our friend. The, the fact that he was able to do that with a straight face just, just made me respect him that much more. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to cast a pity vote for the swarm. I'm changing my vote. I, I don't get me wrong. The trip is still going through into the next round, but uh, your <laughs> that line, if it's a quote, is amazing, and I have to vote for that. But the trip is moving on, and we are on to our next fight. Uh, it is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels versus Alfie. I've only seen the uh, what's his name version of Alfie. I've only seen the reboot of Alfie. I've not seen the original Alfie. Actually, I guess I've seen pieces of the original Alfie. But I have seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which is an amazing fucking movie. If you have not seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, why are you listening to this? Turn it off. Go watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Steve Martin and him, the performances they give out are just amazing. So, uh, yeah, I got to go with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. BJ? Uh, even though I did put Alfie on this list, I, I just wanted to put it up there because I don't I didn't think we had very many suave Michael Caine performances, and that's a quality of his that I really like is how suave he can be at times. Yeah, it's him and Steve Martin. What else do I have to say? Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Chris? I, I, I'm going to vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels because it it's another one that I hadn't watched in a long time and I chucked on, and Kane's performance is great. When you're playing uh, against someone as madcap as Steve Martin, and he still manages to do the performance straight down the middle. There, he doesn't try and mug for the camera. There's no arm flapping or trying to, to, trying to match uh, the other performance. He just plays it straight as an arrow from beginning to end, and it's a really, really great straight man performance in a really, really good comedy. So, Dirty Rodden Scoundrels. Another vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Barry! One of the things that I got out of Alfie when I saw it was that it seems like that in most movies where you, most movies about playboys or that go and, and bed various women, there's this way that the movie is written for you to feel some sort of sympathy or amusement for the playboy here. And I just thought it was interesting the way it was written and the way that, that Michael Caine did the character that He's just a total, just a total slime. He felt absolutely no sympathy for him whatsoever. He 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 just used women like like you know little toys and and, and threw them away. And it was a it was a it was a painful movie to watch. Watch his, his performance, but it was a good performance, but not as good as Dirty, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So that gets my vote. And Mike, is it a clean sweep? Yes, it is. Um... Uh, you know, Chris really nailed it with the when he said that you know what what really makes this performance fantastic is he manages to be, in my opinion, uh, every bit as funny 
uh, as Steve Martin, but in, in a completely understated way. Um, that's really, really tough. When, you know, when you've got someone like Steve Martin who is known primarily for his comedy and, and who is a, an amazing comedic actor, uh, and to be able to kind of you know go toe to toe with him and and not not give in to the temptation to to go as wide, um, I think that's that's pretty amazing and that just shows that the, the talent and the understanding that that Michael Caine has and, and and the range. I mean, he's he's you know known far more for dramatic roles, uh, but you know we forget just uh, how great he is in in comedic roles as well. Um, and you know that just shows his versatility and the fact that he did not play a, a broad role and he played a very uh, clever, a very sympathetic, a very interesting character. You know the kind of character that you, you sort of wish you could be that kind of con man. Uh, you know all of this is just pure, uh, pure great performance. So uh, I will vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is into the next round in a clean sweep. We are on to the last fight of the first round. Which is yours, BJ. It is a bridge too far versus Karen's unknown pick, which is most likely making it into the next round just by virtue of the fact that nobody watched a bridge too far or could make it through a bridge too far. It is Nigel Powers, Austin Powers' father from the Austin Powers movie. I was wondering why that wasn't on here, and then I figured it was being unknown. Yeah, Nigel Powers is going through. I, I just, I really like, he was probably the best part of that movie, and it, that was kind of a terrible movie in the Austin Powers trilogy. But he was enjoyable, and you could tell he was having a lot of fun. So, Nigel Powers. Nigel Powers gets a vote. Chris? Uh, I will vote for Nigel Powers as well, although Nigel Powers and uh, the the entire uh, movie, uh, Aust- it's Gold Member, wouldn't it? He was in. Yeah, yeah, Gold Member. Would would be pretty much either that Jaws four or the Swarm would be the only things that would sway me towards voting for a bridge too far. But I, I'll stick to my guns and and go with uh, with Nigel Powers. I'll vote for Nigel Powers, Barry. I'm going to play the part of the patriotic American and vote for Bridge. The axis's ass. A vote for a bridge too far, Mike. So I may not have seen a bridge too far, uh, which hurts it. But I did see Goldmember, and that hurts Goldmember. Uh, I really hate that movie. I think it's a terrible movie. It was a franchise killer. Uh, the idea of Michael Caine being cast as Austin Powers' dad was was a fantastic idea. Because what what, he, what spy did he play? Um, he actually played a spy character years ago. I, I can't remember which one. Um, so it, it all sounds great. It, it's like this perfect storm of, of hilariousness. And yet it was just a God awfully bad movie. Um, you know, really kind of insultingly bad movie, I think. Uh, but I'm still going to vote for it just because of, uh, of Nigel's intense hatred of the Dutch. Oh, vote for Nigel Powers. And I will quickly vote for Nigel Powers too. And uh, well, uh, Nigel Powers is moving on. We're uh, and uh, we'll be back right after this short speech from Jesus. I'm just throwing something out there because Mike has actually done it like two weeks in a row now. So I'm just going to throw some crazy out there. Anyway, we'll be back right after this. 
Jaws 4 ends with a shark standing on its tail fin above the water for five seconds while roaring like a lion while a woman is getting ready to ram its boat into the shark while she's plagued by flashbacks of the end of Jaws, events to which she was not present in the slightest. <laughs> Jaws 4. All right. What is known? Let her come. What are not a medal come? Tehebun, let her come. Titalon, let her da fe come. Caverdi hen tehebun, I have been look come. Matabdina. This year, in Chicago, join Geek Fights Live on a special mission at C2E2. Investigate all Geek Fights Live shows, meetups, and hangouts. Your mission will be to rendezvous with your favorite Geek Fights hosts. Game and Shaw. Testcraft. Brian Townsend. And Geek Fights, most talented, most handsome, guest panelist, Alan. And what Geek Fights live event could be complete without the shark? Like our tease, bitches! For further intelligence, monitor all Geek Fights episodes. Imperative information can also be found at geekfights.net and c2e2.com. We'll see you in Chicago at this year's C2E2. This is Mistress Simone Cross, and if you're looking for a little bondage or discipline, you can find me at simonecross.com. It's S-I-M-O-N-E-K-R-O-S-S.com, and you're listening to Geek Fights. And we're back doing what we do every single goddamn week of the goddamn year because we put out an episode every week. Every week for three years, we put out a fucking episode. Anyway, we do this every week. It's called Jared Form B Trademark Geek Cred. We uh, talk to the panel, find out a little bit of geek cred about them. Uh, we're going to go right to you there, BJ. You're what, third time? Third time? Third, third time, time on the show? show. Fourth time. What's your Oh, I'm actually prepared this time. Oh, goodness. Um, well, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. If you, I think I might have mentioned the last time I was on, and I just finished writing a paper to hopefully get me into grad school about gender studies in the Harry Potter series, and I'm currently on Tumblr looking at Harry Potter facts while I'm recording. So I'm very multitasking today. Toot, toot. <laughs> 
Mr. Barry Ingram. What is your geek crowd? I'm um, just a big general science fiction fan, though I'm partial to the Star Trek verse. And I've uh, got the geeky movie posters around, like from Soylent Green and Alien and the original Thunderball. I mean, uh, Rollerball on my wall. Aren't well, you a lawyer? You practice law in Louisiana. Yes, if anybody That's gets crazy. arrested in Louisiana, give me a call. Sure. Really? All right. I'm going to Louisiana. I'm going to have lots of fun. <laughs> Chris, what is your geek cred? I do things on the internet with the Geek Bites crew. I do Chris Reads, which is an incredibly fun series of me reading things and uh, people listening. And then I read other things and other people listen. And it's all good fun. Thank you. You know, I was uh, thinking today about the uh, song, If It Makes You Happy, what's your name, Cheryl Crow? It Can't Be That Bad? And then I was like, yeah, but pedophiles like to rape children. That's horrible. But it makes them happy, and it's really bad. Like, there's a lot of things that make you happy that can be very bad. Cocaine. Cocaine makes people really happy, along with heroin. That, that shit is... Masturbation, well, too much can be bad. But still, it... it, it Yes. See, you're understanding. But let's jump back into the fights. We're going back to the Hackman. Uh, Chris, this fight is yours. It is the conversation versus Lex Luthor. We start off the second round with a barnstorming fight. Um, like I said before, Lex Luthor, Hackman's performance of Lex Luthor, for, for the longest time was the Lex Luthor that I thought of whenever he was mentioned in a conversation because that was what I'd been exposed to more. But also, like I said earlier, the conversation is, was a real eye-opener when I watched it, because it is it um, is a movie that, that has been – I've passed over for many, many years. I've never, never been interested in watching it, and I only watched it for this particular podcast, and it was absolutely fantastic. And it might just be that I've just watched it, and it is fresh in my mind how, how good an impact it's had on me that makes me sway towards the conversation. And that's what I'm going to vote for. Conversation. Uh, vote for the conversation. Barry. I think I'm going to, going to cast my vote for Lex Luthor because, again, he's one of the characters that Hackman where he stays true to the character's mission and goals. And it was been really easy to play Lex Luthor lighthearted or comic, but Deep down inside, I always got the feeling that this is a very, very dangerous man. And just the little subtle things that he did made me believe it. Um, I'm like I'm, I'm like Superman. I'm a big uh, Superman fan. Conversation, wonderful film. But I'm going to go for my uh, love of Lex Luthor. Uh, vote for Luthor. Mike. This is really, really tough. <clears throat> I think... Uh... I, I love Hackman's performance as Lex Luthor, but ultimately, since for me it has been uh, replaced by Michael Rosenbaum, um, it's not it's not quite the same level for me anymore. Uh, also, his performance as Lex Luthor in Superman Four was just god awfully horrible. Um, so, uh, and that that really kind of needs to be included in here. 
And and again, the conversation is uh, is a great movie. It is one of Coppola's best movies. It is one of Hackman's uh, best performances. It's a subtle performance. It's very different from a lot of the performances. Uh, you know, it's been mentioned. Uh, you know, I think someone mentioned it here that the character uh, that he plays in Enemy of the State is very much a, a similar character in terms of his skills and his knowledge and his abilities. And uh, and it's been suggested that maybe in an unofficial way, it's even the same character, but the performances are very very different. Um, Harry Call, I think, is the the character's name. Uh, is it's it's just it's really quiet and understated and and introspective. Uh, and uh, again, I'm glad that that people are are, are getting uh, getting some awareness of it. I hope the people who are listening to the show, most people probably haven't seen it. Uh, but go check it out. It's a great movie. So I'll vote for the conversation. A vote for the conversation. Superman 4. I'm not voting for Lex Luthor. Conversation. BJ? You just stole my argument. The conversation. And the conversation is moving on to the next round. We are on to our next fight. Barry, this one is yours. Another hard one. Hackman has a lot of hard fights. Almost all of them. Uh, it is Royal Tenenbaum versus Captain Ramsey. These really couldn't have been two more different characters, and the fact that Hackman pulled both of them off and made them just just wonderful characters that that really carried a movie, uh, and, and you and you understood the characters and and the the movements behind them and everything like that. Uh, gosh, this is hard. Um, I think I'm going to vote for Captain Ramsey from Crimson Tide because I think that, that Denzel Washington made a better opposite character to play off of and we were able to see Hackman do a little bit better than that because he had such a powerful character to play off of. So I'm going to vote for Captain Ramsey. Uh, vote for Captain Ramsey. Mike? Uh, this This really is tough. And, uh, I think I'm going to go with Royal Tenenbaum because that performance uh, is a good example of, of something that uh, that Hackman can do, that, that really great actors can do, which is to uh, really kind of be a chameleon and, and change without kind of losing themselves. I mean, character actors like Gary Oldman, uh, you know, they just completely vanish. Uh, there's no bit of Gary Oldman in any of his performances, but Gene Hackman still has some Gene Hackman in everything he does. But the character in, of Royal Tenenbaum is very much a character in a Wes Anderson movie, um, and and Lex Luthor is very much a a a, a kind of comedic uh, supervillain character. Uh, while the the performance in, in Crimson Tide is fantastic, he's played that character or a character like that many times. Whereas Royal Tenenbaum is a, is a unique performance uh, in his career and and shows his ability to sort of modify his performance uh, in a movie depending on on the tone that the movie needs to take without ever actually completely letting go of of being a Gene Hackman character. So uh, for that reason, I'm going to give it to Royal Tenenbaum. Uh, vote for Royal Tenenbaum. This is hard. It's very hard because I really do want to vote for Captain Frank Ramsey because uh, th that performance is amazing, especially the quiet moments in that movie. When he's quiet, I think that's when he shines the brightest. But I do love Royal Tenenbaum. And I don't mean 
love as in uh oh it's a great performance i like i really do um, i'm really emotionally invested and connected to the character that is royal tenenbaum i i do have a love for that character like i i see bits of my own family in that character and i I love the way he did that. So I'm, I'm going to go with Royal Tenenbaum. BJ? I'm also going with Royal. I think that it's, that his performance elevates that movie so much and it sticks in your head and he has so many, he has so much range and it, all of it is popped up in this, in that movie. So Royal. And Chris? I, I'm going to go with, um, with uh, Captain Frank Ramsey, uh, it's it's a it's the standout performance in a movie that's got lots of of good actors in it. You've got Denzel Washington, uh, Viggo Mortensen's in it, a um, couple other good guys. It's it's a Tony Scott film. You know, it 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 should be another Top Gun where there's lots of action and the acting is mediocre to good. But you put you know Washington and Hackman sat opposite each other and it transforms the movie into it's really you know, the, the moments of tension even the moments where they're getting tooled up or like mike said the quiet moments are all punctuated so well by the performances especially hackman's so i will go with captain frank a vote for captain frank but royal tenenbaum is moving on to the next round we are on to our next fight mike this one is yours it is enemy of the state versus popeye doyle Hmm. This is uh, this is very tough. Um, the French Connection movies are great movies. They're classic movies. Uh, but I enjoy Enemy of the State more. Uh, but Enemy of the State is more of a Will Smith movie. Uh, Popeye Doyle was in two movies, so there's two of them. Uh, um. I'll vote for Popeye Doyle. I'll vote for Popeye Doyle. That makes it easy for me. I'll vote for Enemy of the State. Just split the two of us right down the middle. Uh, yeah, you're right. Enemy of the State is a Will Smith movie, but the back half of that movie is nothing but Gene Hackman being fucking Gene Hackman and amazing. So, uh, yeah, I'm voting for Enemy of the State. BJ. Come on. It's Popeye Doyle. It is arguably Hackman's most iconic performance on film. The last, the last act of that movie alone should make him win against this against enemy state. Popeye Doyle. A uh, vote for Popeye Doyle, Chris. See, enemy of the state. Um, I can use the same sort of argument that I just used with Captain Frank. In that, if you don't have Hackman playing the uh, the the antagonist in in that role, it it may not be as an enjoyable movie as it is. But by the same token if you don't have hackman playing popeye doyle then the french connection is not going to be as good as it is and the french connection is far far better movie than enemy of the state so i'll go with popeye doyle i'll vote for popeye doyle and barry gene hackman as santa claus in popeye doyle popeye doyle is moving into the next round we are on to our next fight it is unforgiven versus the fact that he's written three historical novels uh, it doesn't matter one bit that he's written three <laughs> historical novels up against Unforgiven. Uh, what is the name? Bill. What the fuck is the name of that character? Little Bill. Little Bill. Oh. Yeah, Little Bill is so, is so evil when he needs to be. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm gonna go with Unforgiven. BJ. Um, Unforgiven all the way. Another vote for Unforgiven, Chris. Yeah, I I think Unforgiven is is gonna uh, is gonna go through. I'll, I won't waste any uh, breath arguing its cases. Unforgiven, Barry. Same thing as Chris. I'm going to make it quick and vote for Unforgiven, Mike. I will bet that Gene Hackman is a pretty good writer, but I know he's a great actor, and Unforgiven is a great example of that. So, Unforgiven. And Unforgiven. Into the next round, we are on to our next fight. Back in K-Land! BJ, this one is yours. It is the Jaws 4 quote, or the quote about Jaws 4, versus Elliot, his Oscar-winning performance from Hannah and Her Sisters. This one's a little difficult. I mean, that is a funny, a funny quote, but we're it's it's one of his one of his Academy Award winning performances. I hate to dismiss that, so I'm going with Elliot from Hannah and Her Sisters. A uh, vote for Elliot, uh, Chris. Elliot is is one of his Academy Award winning performances, but I don't want to dismiss the fact that he's actually quite a funny guy. So I will go with the quote. A vote for the quote, Barry. I like the quote. Um, the fact that that he's he's saying what what a lot of actors really don't say is that I need to pay the rent, so I'm going to take this role because it's going to you know give me some uh, green rectangles to put in my wallet. But I'm going to vote for Elliot because it's a great performance, and the fact that it's in a in a Woody Allen movie, and there are certain ways that Woody Allen shoots his movies. But still, I got the fact that Michael Caine put his own stamp on the character, and I just like his performance in that. So I'm going to vote for Elliot. Another vote for Elliot, Mike. Um, I am going to vote for the quote for two reasons. Reason number one, I will invoke geek precedent. Uh, the quote already beat uh, Elliot in the previous round. Elliot was one of the five nominations that uh, it defeated last time. How can it beat five nominations in the previous round and then uh, lose in, in this round? Uh, secondly, the quote is about Jaws 4. The next fight includes Jaws 4. That means there's a possibility of a quote about Jaws 4 versus Jaws 4 after this. Uh, So I can't pass that up. So the quote. A vote for the quote is all tied up. It comes down to me. Uh, I've never seen Hannah and her sisters. Just the name alone makes me not want to see it. Uh, And uh, apparently it's Woody Allen film which is also a knock against it because I'm not a fan of Woody Allen. Uh, so I'm going to go with the quote because I do like how blase he is about making a shitty film. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Look at this house. It's fucking sweet, isn't it? It's pretty badass. Yeah. Fuck that fucking movie. I don't care. I got paid. So I like that attitude. So I will be voting for the quote. And the quote is moving on. And we're on to our next fight. This one is yours, Chris. It is Jaws 4 versus... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> it's all yours. I uh, I am um, I d- I don't want to vote for Jaws, and I don't want to have to say that quote the whole time. Uh, 
I can't vote for Jaws the Revenge, so I will have to vote for You're Only Supposed to Blow the Bloody Doors Off. It is a great moment in a great film and a great Kane performance. I won't, I won't, I won't belittle it. It is, it, uh, yes, Bloody Doors. You do a great Kane impression doing it. That's all. That's what I'm voting for every time I vote for it. Barry? I pulled up the YouTube clip about the Bloody Doors and I just like the fact that that no, we don't get both doors going off. We don't get just a little fireball of a truck. We get a nuclear fireball of the truck blowing up. And Michael Caine saying saying that famous quote. So I'm going to vote for bloody doors. Weird. Bloody doors? How odd. Um, Mike? Uh, I still want to see Jaws 4 versus Jaws 4, so I'm voting for Jaws 4. <laughs> That logic just swayed the shit out of me. I want to see Jaws 4 versus Jaws 4, so I'm voting for Jaws 4 as well. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, BJ. Which one is taking the win? I'm going to save Chris from doing his impressions. Let's bring on the Jaws 4 versus Jaws 4. Could, could you do it one last time, Chris? Sorry. I'm going You're to right. save Chris. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I just want Chris to say it one last time because it's I done. I confused. Go on, Chris. Say it one more time. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. I like how each one has less enthusiasm than the first one. The first this one, one sounded kind of angry. It did. It was like, do I have to? Okay. But Jaws 4 is into the next round. We are on to our next fight. It is Alfred Pennyworth versus the sketch from the trip. Barry, that one is yours. One of the things I think I like about the Alfred character, at least the way that Michael Caine plays him, is that he seems to uh, uh, be good at keeping uh, Bruce Wayne grounded as far as, as you know, reminding him who he is and, and, and keeping things real with him. But that being said, the YouTube clip of, of from the trip, I like that not just because of the Michael Caine accents, but the way that the two Actors change the accent the way to an older Michael Caine versus a younger Michael Caine versus Michael Caine in this situation and that situation. And it really was impressive when, when they were able to pull that off so well. So I'm going to vote for the trip. Uh, vote for the trip, Mike. Hmm, this is this is kind of tough because I wanted to go with Alfred because it really is a wonderful uh, portrayal of Alfred. Uh, but uh, you know, part of it, yeah, I'll vote for the trip because, uh, like, like Barry said, it actually it shows the. It's not just showing you how to do an impression of Michael Caine. It's it's the evolution of Michael Caine's uh, vocal performance uh, and and the differences between how he he spoke when he was younger as opposed to now. And you know, when it gets much louder, uh, great stuff. Uh, it's also an interesting, uh, you know, kind of battle between the, these two. Uh, comedians uh you know each trying to show no no you're doing it wrong this is how you do it uh and lastly uh fuck batman <laughs> fuck batman indeed fuck him in his bad hole see i said bad hole that's not funny i know it's a pun puns aren't funny but uh yeah the, that that whole scene from the trip the evolution of the michael kane impression is amazing and then the when they're talking about how you take a breath in between like that 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 part 
to me is really, really funny. So I also will be voting for the trip. Uh, BJ. I'm going to throw Alfred some love. Yeah. I think even we already voted down the Nolan connection, but we got to recognize it here with Alfred. Even though he's not my personal Alfred, he's a lot of people's personal Alfred, and, and he is amazing in those movies, even though he did do some uncharacteristic uncharacteristic things in the last movie. So Alfred. Another vote for Alfred and Chris. It's an it's another um apples and oranges fight. I, I think that the performance of Alfred is um is is really good. And I do I, I actually like the the way that the character has evolved to the point where he's not the Alfred that he was in the first movie and the third in the last movie as he was in the first movie. But but the 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 whole sketch from the trip is is really funny, and it, it is a, a little lesson in cane for everybody. Um, so uh, I'll vote for Alfred, but I'm happy that the trip is going through. And the trip is moving on into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Mike, this one is yours. Pretty easy. It's Dirty Rotten Scoundrels versus Nigel Powers. Yeah, this is pretty easy. Uh, I I still don't like uh, gold member uh, anymore between that last round and this round. And, uh, you know, I actually do like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels much more between last round and this round. Uh, I do like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels more. I will be also voting for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. BJ? Yeah, let's just move on. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I don't think I need to say much more than Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Very? Dirty, Rotten, Scoundrels, yes. And Dirty, Rotten, Scoundrels is into technically the final four of Michael Caine, which is hilarious because the final four of Michael Caine is a quote about Jaws 4, Jaws 4 itself, The Trip, which is a sketch about Michael Caine impressions, and then one Michael Caine uh, performance in uh, Dirty, Rotten, Scoundrels. And on the other side, the Hackman final four is the conversation, Royal Tenenbaum, Popeye Doyle, and Unforgiven. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we're on to our next spot. It's for a spot in the finals of the Kane verse. It is the conversation versus Royal Tenenbaum. And uh, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. I will not vote against Royal Tenenbaum. I will not vote against my own goddamn grandfather. Even though he's not my grandfather. He just looks and pieces of my own family in that performance. I- I'm voting for Royal. Uh, BJ? Oh, yeah, now we're getting nitty-gritty fights. I am going with the conversation because as much as I do love him as Royal, he's amazing in the conversation. More people need to check out that movie. So, yeah. The conversation gets a vote. Chris? Yeah, I, I'll go with with uh, BJ's reasoning there. I think that the, the the conversation should should go through on this run. Royal Tenenbaum is is a good character, and it's well well done by by Howard. And it's a great character, very well done by a very good actor. But I think that if if anyone can take anything from this geek fight, it it should be the conversation. It is a really, really stellar movie that everybody should go and watch if they haven't already seen it. So I will go for the conversation. Way to lower everybody's expectations there, Chris. Now it's going to suck for people. Good job. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Barry? 
Royal Tenenbaum, the way that Hackman played him, I think was was good. It was interesting because even though as much of a jerk as he was, you still really felt sorry for him and and understood that he was trying to do the right thing. I'm going to vote for The Conversation because that's a movie, living as we are now with all the technology we have, and then you look at it back then with the technology they had back then, how much more it took of, of, a, of a art and skill to, to do what, what Hackman did as far as intercepting people's talks and the spying and that sort of thing. There, there aren't any little, little bugs that you can you know, hide at the end of a Q-tip and, and get video and sound. You had to work with, in essence, stone knives and bearskins back then. And I just love the way that, that the Hackman character worked that and used that and, and was able to, to create just a, just a really good movie and a good performance. I'm probably going to see Royal Tenenbaums again after this is over because it is such a good movie. But as far as the be- a, a good a vote for Gene Hackman, I'm going to vote for the conversation. A vote for the conversation and Mike. Uh, I will vote for the conversation. Uh, the conversation was one of four uh, absolutely brilliant movies that Francis Ford Coppola did in the seventies. Um, but I still when I think of the conversation, I think of it as a Gene Hackman movie. Um, Royal Tenenbaum, um, from the movie, the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, I don't think of that as a, as really a Gene Hackman movie. That's an ensemble piece. I'm just as likely to think of the Wilson brothers or Gwyneth Paltrow, or more specifically, I'll think of Wes Anderson. Um, so because for me, even though the, the performance is, is a great Gene Hackman performance, uh, when I think of things that, that I associate with Gene Hackman, uh, I associate the conversation with Gene Hackman. I associate the Royal Tenenbaums with Wes Anderson. Um, and I think that's pretty much the way that I'm going to, going to look at this particular fight. So conversation, the conversation is moving on, but I will say one last thing about, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, uh, without Gene Hackman in that movie, the movie falls apart. You put some, uh, some other actor into that part. It doesn't work. It, he he instills this sense of weird obligation to family that he didn't have early on, but he does have later on in the movie uh, that that I really love. But the conversation is into the finals for the Hackman side. Uh, BJ, this fight is yours. It is Popeye Doyle versus Unforgiven. Oh gosh, why? Oh, um. Oh. They're both really strong performances, but the top I got Doyle were signifying his character, but with Unforgiven were signifying the whole movie. So I want to give it to Popeye Doyle because I don't, I think Hackman's great in Unforgiven, but I do not think of that movie being a Hackman movie. It's an Eastwood movie all the way. Whereas Popeye Doyle, as someone said earlier, without that character in the French Connection, it just falls apart without him in the as a character. It falls apart. Popeye Doyle. A vote for Popeye Doyle, Chris. This this is one of the the hardest things that uh, that I'm going to have to pick from in a in a very very long time. It's two Academy Award winning performances from Hackman up against each other. Um, one. Earlier on in his career in in the French Connection, and and then Unforgiven, which was which was kind of a rubber stamp in a in a way on on his career um, 
in the the early nineties that like made him a really a, a legitimate actor from from that point on. Again, you know, a, a, a wonderful, wonderful performance. Um, I, I think I'm going to have to go with with the first being the best and the the performance that that came first and the performance that set up all of the the great things that he'd done afterwards was was Popeye Doyle. So I will give it my vote. A uh, vote for Popeye Doyle, uh, Barry. Chris was saying pretty much what what I think I was thinking about this here. In that, given the fact that Popeye Doyle and 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 Little Bill in Unforgiven were both equally strong performances, in Unforgiven, Hackman had the benefit of forty years of of working as an actor and and honing his chops to put into the character of Little Bill in Unforgiven, and Popeye Doyle was one of the first few roles that he did, and he had to just totally inhabit that character because. He did carry the film, and it was a very difficult character because you're dealing with with not just a police detective, but a police detective who isn't the best person that you would want on the police force. So I'm going to vote for Popeye Doyle. Mike? Uh, I'm also going to vote for Popeye Doyle. Um, when I first saw the list and saw Unforgiven on, on here, my reaction was, oh, yeah, Gene Hackman was in that movie. Because I don't think of it as a Gene Hackman movie. I think of it as a Clint Eastwood movie. It's the same basic logic uh, in the last fight. Uh, one of them is a, a movie that Gene Hackman did a great job in. And one of them is a movie that Gene Hackman owned. Uh, the conversation, I don't even remember the director. Is it Friedkin? I'm not sure. Um, but it's it's a a Gene Hackman movie. Uh, you talking about Popeye Doyle? Yeah. Who I don't remember who directed French Connection. Okay. Um, it was Friedkin. Uh but but when I think of the the French Connection, I think of Popeye Doyle and I think of Gene Hackman um, because that's really uh, the the thing that stands out in the movie. So because uh, like, like with the last round, one of them really is quintessentially Gene Hackman. The other one is just plain awesome. Um, this is not you know best just plain. This is not just plain awesome versus Michael Caine. This is Gene Hackman versus Michael Caine, and uh, Gene Hackman equals Popeye Doyle. Enough. Another vote for Popeye Doyle, but I'm going to destroy all of your Popeye Doyle logic because Popeye Doyle is a real person, and he spent uh, what six months with that dude, and then I know his name isn't actually Popeye Doyle, and then would just portrayed the guy. So, yeah, blowing that all up. Great performance, great performance, which it is a, a, a very solid performance, but he is pulling from the source material, which is a dude, an actual guy who's just a little bit more horrible than the actual character that they put in the movie. Uh, whereas uh, Unforgiven, I, I, you know, Morgan Freeman's in that movie too. I don't, I, I don't think of Morgan Freeman. I think of Clint Eastwood and I think of uh, Gene Hackman. Uh, Hackman is amazing in Unforgiven. I think without Gene Hackman, Unforgiven falls completely flat because Gene, ha- you, I, I say it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. You have to have a great villain for the hero to be great. And uh, he's a, an amazing villain in Unforgiven. And, uh, I, I love the shit out of him. I think it, I think it is his best performance of all time, but it's going down here to Popeye Doyle. Fuck all of you. But we've got the conversation versus Popeye Doyle for the finals of Hackburst. And we're going over to Kane Demonium. And uh, Chris, this one is yours. It is the Jaws 4 quote versus Jaws 4. 
which one is going to take the win? Uh, a shit movie against a quote that says that a shit movie is shit. Um, I think I will have to go with the quote because it proves that Kane has got a sense of humor and is not blinded so much by his acting chops that he doesn't realize when he's made a bad movie. Uh, vote for the quote. Barry. Um, it took me just a couple of minutes to read and digest the Jaws 4 quote, and it would have taken me an hour and, I don't know, 40 minutes or however long Jaws 4 is. So I'm going to go to the one that, that took up less of my time, Jaws 4 quote. Another vote for the quote, Mike? You know, it's interesting you mentioned how uh, on the the Hackman side of things, um, we really just talked about performances and talked about um, and the movies. I mean, there were a few things early on, you know, the being an author, the slapping a homeless man that were, were outside of that. Whereas when we over here on the Michael Caine side, you know, at this point, we only have one real Michael Caine performance left, at least it was any good. Um, and, and I think that's, that just kind of shows a difference between these two is, is Gene Hackman is pretty much just, just a straightforward actor. We, we know him through his performances, whereas Michael Caine, uh, I think somehow we, he's more of a celebrity. We know more about him. We, we see him as a person a little bit more. And, uh, and I think that comes through in this quote and, and it's a great quote. And I don't think just because it's funny. I think it's because it's honest, because it's real, and it's it's really uh, espousing a very uh, specific uh, acting philosophy, and that that is the philosophy of the working actor: that your job, your thing, is to to keep acting, um, even if it's not a great role. Uh, you can still try to be great in it. Um, I don't know if he was great in Jaws four. I don't know if that's even possible. Uh, but if nothing else, that just gives you something to fill time before a good role comes along. And it's better to keep working uh, and, and keep out there and keep your name out there and keep viable than to just sort of shut yourself off and be, be kind of a prima donna. So it's a great philosophy uh, that's, that's really embodied in this quote, and that's why I'm going to vote for it. A vote for the quote. I'm voting for Jaws 4. Uh, and I believe Jaws 4 is like 89 minutes, maybe 90. It's an atrocious film. Uh, but I- I'm voting for Jaws 4 because fuck you guys. Um, BJ? Why? Why? Do we don't need Jaws 4 in the final two for Michael King. Oh, the quote. Please move the quote forward. Well, the quote about Jaws 4 is moving forward. So by, by virtue of the quote about Jaws 4 moving forward, Jaws 4 is moving forward as well. But the quote is going on. And we're on to our next round. Barry, this one is yours. It is the sketch about Michael Caine's uh, impressions versus Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Like you had mentioned before, I think, where we've got a role that he played in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels versus a a sit-down with a couple of people talking about certain Michael Caine, Michael Caine's mannerisms and quotes and and. <laughs> It really is funny, and I've probably watched that uh, YouTube video uh, uh, several times because because I really enjoy it. I'm I'm probably going to have to go with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels 
because somebody had mentioned before about it would have been real easy for Michael Caine to sort of play off Steve Martin in this film and and maybe go a little bit more over the top, and he didn't, and that's what made the movie. And I think probably just the opposite of that with Steve Martin able to watch how Michael Caine did his role, and I think there were probably certain things that Steve Martin took from it that made his performance really good too. So I think that the fact that not only did Michael Caine give a great performance in that, but I think that he was able to uh, to work with and play off of Steve Martin was able to play off of him to to make a couple of really really good characters in a really really good movie. So I'm going to vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, vote for DRS, Mike. Um, yeah, you know, at this point, it's kind of interesting. Do we do we eliminate the only remaining Michael Caine performance uh, in favor of something that is? Uh, again, kind of more of a, of a larger pop culture thing, and uh, and and I don't want to do that. the The trip is not Michael Caine. He was not in the trip, uh, although they both do a great job, uh, and it's hilarious. It is it is just an impression. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels um, is is a is a hilarious movie. It's when I first saw it, uh, I I I didn't really like it as much as I do now. It's kind of grown on me over time. Um, there's a lot of interesting things about the movie. It, it, what's really interesting to me is it was uh, originally created as a vehicle for David Bowie and Mick Jagger. And uh, David Bowie was supposed to play the the elegant, sophisticated uh, uh, character that, um, that Michael Caine uh, wound up playing. So to take something that was crafted for someone so vastly different and to make it uh, his own is, is really pretty impressive. Um, and, uh, and so I'm going to vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Another vote for DRS. Um, yeah, when I was a kid, I hated Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Couldn't stand it. It's like, that's not a good movie. Because number one, didn't know who Michael Caine was. Number two, wasn't the Steve Martin I wanted. Uh, so right there, you know, I, I thought I felt cheated. But now, watching it as an adult, it's a much funnier movie. And... It's exactly the, the Steve Martin I want. Uh, I, I don't want the Pink Panther Steve Martin that we get nowadays. Uh, it's the Steve Martin I want. It, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect movie. And Michael Caine is amazing in it. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, BJ. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Enough said. And Christopher. Before I cast my vote, uh, a quick pop quiz. Who is Michael Caine's butler in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? I used to know that. I don't know why I don't know that. It's Ian McDermott. It's Emperor Palpatine. He's got the Emperor as his butler. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels for the win. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is in the final of the Canathon 2000. Uh, Mike, this next fight is yours. It's for the winning fight, well, it wins the 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 Hackman side of the bracket. I I I, I really do want to not do anything special for Hackman, and I'll keep talking about the Canathon two thousand. But uh, for Mister Hackman, it is the conversation versus Popeye Doyle. Uh, this is this is really tough. This is a a great either final four or or finals matchup, depending how you look at it. Um. 
Popeye Doyle is more iconic, ding. It is more famous. Um, but, you know, Damon, you taught me something long, long ago with Geek Fights is to go with your heart. And my heart says conversation. Um, I'm glad that it's getting some attention. Hopefully people will check it out. Um, I'm going to look to see if it's on Netflix. And uh, if it is, uh, people should get it or, or torrent it or buy it or whatever. Um, it's a great movie. It's an underrated movie. Popeye Doyle has got lots and lots of attention, lots and lots of love. Um, and even though it is, it is a great movie, it just doesn't have the same kind of vibe that the conversation has. So I'm going to stick with the conversation. Uh, vote for the conversation. This one is hard for me because both of these uh, took out things I like a lot. Uh, my, my, my spite vote. I don't know which, which spite vote am I going for? Am I going for you guys voted out my grandfather or am I going out with uh, you voted for my other grandfather's favorite movie? Hmm. Which grandfather did I like more? Uh, I like them both. They're really nice. Hmm. Although that one did poop next to me. I'm going to go with the com. Nope. Nope. I'm going to go with uh, Popeye Doyle. Popeye Doyle. <laughs> uh, BJ. Yeah, as much as I love Popeye Doyle and that performance and the French Connection, I'm glad with the conversation because I recently just finished watching the British show Space with Simon Pegg, and they had a quick conversation reference, and it made me smile and squeal with glee when I saw it. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it. So I'm going with the conversation for that reference. Uh, vote for the conversation. Chris. This this is re- a, a really good final fight for for Gene Hackman. I think it's a it's a wonderful way to to sort of see out this side of the bracket. The conversation we we call it the conversation, but it is it's it's Harry Call in the conversation. But you can you can use the conversation as its name in this fight because it's all that performance. It really is that one character that we're following throughout all of it and it's Gene Hackman. Popeye Doyle is is an, is an iconic character and he was in two French Connection movies um, and Hackman's performance was stronger in the first but still very, very good in the second. I I think that I will I will go for for Popeye Doyle because of the strength of the performance over the, the two movies. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Barry. Which one is going to represent Gene Hackman in the final fight? Well, if I was asked this question a few years ago, I probably would have said Popeye Doyle because I, I, although I'd seen both of them, I thought French Connection and one and two and the Popeye Doyle character was a better film. It, it showed uh, policemen who really aren't the best people it uh, helped spawn other 70s movies like uh, Serpico and uh, Prince of the City, movies and books about other cops that, that show the, the, the worst side of the police department. But Doyle's performance in the conversation, uh, I think, is swayed me because of what I said before about what he did with back then technology. And it kind of scares me because with the technology we've got now, how much, I guess, worse it could be for those of us who want to keep our dirty little secrets. 
because if you've got a hairy call out there with the technology they have today, it's going to be pretty bad. And Gene Hackman owned this role, and I am going to vote for the conversation. The conversation is the winner of the Hackman side of the bracket. Now it's time to find out who's going to win the Kanathon 2000. Uh, it is the quote that we've heard earlier that we don't remember now, but it's about how Jaws 4 sucked, but it paid for his house, so he doesn't really care how badly it sucked, versus Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, I think I'm going to... Odd is it? How odd would it be that two mic things make it into the finals? Because the conversation is one mic thing. The other thing is the quote. But the quote actually encapsulates more of what I think about when I think of Michael Caine than the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Not the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a bad movie by the uh, at all, but Michael Caine is just like, hey man, I'm working. I paid for this sweet house. I, I, what else do you want me to say? Like you've done some shit at work that you don't like. Who cares? It, it pays your bills. And, and and that down to earthness is what I actually like about Michael Caine. So I'm going to vote for the, uh, for the quote BJ. All right. I like that logic, but I just can't see this quote. Like, I, I can't see this quote as the best representation for Michael Caine. That's more Michael Caine, the person. And I want to see something of him as an actor and as a, as an actor in good movies. So that's why I'm voting for dirty rock scoundrels. Well, a vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Chris? Yeah, I, th- I think the quote is, is a, a great a representation of, uh, of Michael Caine, more, more as, a, as a person than, than as an actor, um, that he's quite capable of, of saying a tongue-in-cheek quote like that and, and probably meaning it. Uh, a dirty, dirty Rotten Scoundrels came, it, it came at a point when, when Caine was, was trying to trying his hand at comedy a little bit more. The movie he did before it was uh, Without a Clue, which was the, the Sherlock Holmes uh, crazy caper uh, movie. Um, I, I, like I said before, I think that the, the performance in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a wonderful straight man performance. Uh, he's, he's not getting all the gags. He's got some very, very funny lines to say, but he, he doesn't, hammer up for the camera he doesn't mug he doesn't do anything like that he just like i said before he plays it straight down the middle and the movie is made 10 times better through the performance of just playing it honest playing it straight so i will go with dirty rotten scoundrels uh vote for dirty rotten scoundrels barry i will also vote for dirty rotten scoundrels because a good Michael Caine performance, you can probably watch a four-hour movie and not realize that it's four hours because you really like the character and you like the twist that he put, puts on it. And he, he makes good movies for people who like movies because we understand what he's trying to say to us. And even though Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is, is, a, is a wonderful, laughable comedy, it it's it's a good serious comic performance and i really enjoyed it i'm going to vote for brs a vote for dirty rotten scoundrels and mr ortiz uh i'm gonna vote for the quote um 
for a couple of reasons. Uh, the main reason is, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, the the whole the whole point of this uh, discussion came. The, the PCU thing was part of it, but even even prior to that, really since the eighties, uh, both of these two have been held up as examples of guys who were just doing tremendous numbers of movies. Uh, they both have huge, huge IMDb listings. Um, and, and the reason is they both have this, this philosophy. Um, as far as what is quintessentially Michael Caine, uh, that philosophy is. That's why we're having this geek fight. That's why these two actors are a part of this. Because uh, the enormous volume of work that, that was produced because of this philosophy and we talk about dirty rotten scoundrels and, and you know it's funny i looked it up because i wanted to confirm the uh the david bowie uh mick jagger thing but as i looked this up i realized that the movie is actually a remake of a movie called bedtime story uh from 1964 starring david niven and marlon brando and in seeing that you realize that yeah michael kane really is doing a david niven um that's and he's a great actor and certainly, you know, he, he brings a lot to it, but there's nothing that is very unique, uh, to Michael Caine in this movie. Two other actors have already done this movie. Two other actors were supposed to do the movie before them. Uh, while Steve Martin and Michael Caine both did make it their own, uh, it's, it's still kind of a minor movie among, in, in his career. Whereas this quote basically talks about his entire career, uh, from beginning to end. You know, for me, it's it's it really is pretty simple. What best describes Michael Caine? When you think of Michael Caine, you think of this huge variety of movies, not really just this one movie. And I think the quote even applies to to Gene Hackman as well. So uh, for me, it it should be the quote. Uh, even though Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a, is a is a great movie, an entertaining movie, uh, it's not it's not an iconic movie. It's not a quintessential movie. It's not not a movie that is just so Michael Caine the way that conversation or uh, or Popeye Doyle is on the other side of the bracket. So uh, for me, I think I need to vote for something that is really just at the heart of Michael Caine, which is his, his acting philosophy. A vote for Michael Caine. But your sharking did not work. That was a very good try. A very good try. <laughs> Dirty Rotten Scandrels will be representing Michael Caine and is the winner of the Caneathon 2000. And uh, we're at the final fight. It is now Gene Hackman versus Michael Caine. I know those of you that this is your first episode. You're like, this is the first time you're going to talk about Gene Hackman versus Michael Caine, and and, G and Michael Caine doesn't at least get to go in guns blazing with a nice philosophy. He has to go in with dirty rotten scoundrels up against the conversation. Well, yes, that is exactly what he gets. Uh, BJ, that fight is yours. It is the conversation versus dirty rotten scoundrels. Wow. I am going to go with the conversation because I think overall it's a stronger movie than Dirty Ron Scoundrels, although that is Apple Orange in comparison. But I think, like, it's all, that movie's all Hackman, whereas Dirty Ron Scoundrels is, Scoundrels is more of, like, a Martin and Kane competition, but in a really good way over who can hold the movie. They both hold their weight perfectly, but it's Hackman's movie is conversation. So, the conversation. Uh, vote for the conversation. Chris? Uh, I... 
I think we we may have have let Michael Kane down a little bit by some of the picks that we had on here because um, every everything that's gone through has has been a, a valid winner on his side. But there, I, I I've got a feeling that there could be something stronger to go up against the conversation uh, or Popeye Doyle in or the Royal or Royal Tenenbaum or Unforgiven to, to go through. Um, it's weighted so heavily towards towards Gene Hackman winning. And I, I, I don't think I can come up with an argument that will sway mis- myself into voting for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels ahead of the conversation, let alone sway anyone else. So I will go for the conversation. A vote for the conversation. I guess you're voting as an American and not, uh, you know, a person of the, the British Isles. But whatever. Shut it. Uh, you know, betray your own countrymen. You know, I, I, I love yeah, that, you. Yeah, that's how we roll. <laughs> Leave them to die, Barry. This 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 is a tough one right here. I think I'm going to sort of adopt a little bit of Chris's logic in that there were some really good Michael Caine performances that didn't quite make it this far, and I think that in honor of them, I'm going to cast a vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, not because the conversation is so much better than Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but I think that that Michael Caine took uh, took took what could be a a like Michael Mike said was a remake and worked it to where it was. It w- I haven't seen the original, but I would like to think that it was would be fresh and and something that would uh, would take uh, Steve Martin. And make them both better. So I'm going to vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, vote for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Mike. Um, I'm going to vote for the conversation. Uh, I think it's it's objectively a, a better movie. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I like I, I really was hoping the quote would go here because I definitely would have voted for it here because I think there is a good uh, argument that you know none of none of Kane's really great performances made it this far because the performances are 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 less than uh, than Michael Kane himself. I mean, Michael Kane himself is is who who we think of. I'm actually looking at his IMDb page, and there's a lot of great movies, but a lot of them aren't really jumping out as the the performances, the individual performances that he's given. He, he for him, it's really a career and a body of work more so than any singular thing that sticks out. Whereas Hackman. Um, I think things like the conversation and Popeye Doyle really do stick out among among his stuff. So I think it is a little bit more. It, it's a better example of what he can do. Uh, whereas Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, while enjoyable, is just one of the many movies that Michael Caine uh, produced uh, in in the eighties or nineties. So uh, the conversation is a little bit more quintessentially uh, Gene Hackman. Although I still wish the quote was here. Uh, vote for the conversation. And uh, yeah, it's Gene Hackman versus Michael Caine. I'm just throwing out the conversation. I'm going to throw out Dirty Rotten Scoundrels a- as well. I say fuck it because, uh, you know, those are the w- things that won. I'm just going straight up Gene Hackman versus Michael Caine. And uh, Mike kind of nailed it on its head. Uh, Michael Caine is about the, the, the guy. Uh, but... Gene Hackman is Gene Hackman. Uh, his performances are great. I, I really do love the shit out of Gene Hackman. 
there's probably no way I could vote against Gene Hackman. So I won't vote against Gene Hackman, the guy that looks like one of my grandfathers. Uh, yeah, I'm voting for the conversation. Gene Hackman is the winner of this fight. The conversation uh, is the winner. The conversation is streaming on Netflix, so go check it out. Uh, the conversation is streaming on Netflix. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, does anybody have anything they'd like to plug? Uh, BJ? Um, I have a blog. It's historybuller.blogspot.com. I will email someone so it can be in the show notes. I'm trying to blog a little more, so hopefully by making this public, it might be an incentive for me. Um, I just posted a post today about why I like the Vampire Diaries, so, yeah. Go me. Yeah, you. Uh, <laughs> B- Barry? Um, I just would like to go ahead and uh, uh, plug a uh, little uh, science uh, a little uh, science fiction convention that they're going to have in Baton Rouge. Very small fan run. There's just probably no, no really big game. Well, I think Gil Gerard's coming, but there's going to be uh, nerds in costume and geeks, and if you want to spend a weekend... And you're in the Louisiana or the Mid South uh, area. It's the Louisiana Science Fiction and Costume Festival in Baton Rouge on April fifth, sixth, and seventh. And I think the website is lassci.com. And uh, hope uh, hope you guys can make it. Yeah, go out to Red Stick and see some geeks and costumes. Baton Rouge is Red Stick. I'm just letting everybody know. Those of you that don't know Francais, ho, 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 Francais, la cache uh, <laughs> Chris. Uh, because of my uh, uh, very, very un- unpatriotic vote for uh, the conversation in the final, I'd like to uh, like to plug uh, Andrew Garfield, Christian Bale, Henry Cavill, and Daniel Day-Lewis. All great Americans. All great American heroes. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis is not an American hero. Uh, he's Lincoln. Yeah, and? And he, you couldn't get an American actor to play Lincoln. You had to get, you had to get an Irishman to do it instead. Uh, we had to get an Academy Award winner to do it instead. Thank you very much. We, we, we get what we pay for. We go for the best. <laughs> anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, check out our friends, DVD Geeks, uh, Subspace Communique, their awesome podcast, Life After Trek. Uh, they also have a website, Bye Bye Robot, and the Rockford Files Files. Uh, give a listen to Greg Blanchard on Inappropriate Conversations. It's an excellent podcast. You should give it a listen. And, uh, well, uh, John Champion, again, two times <laughs> for uh, Michelog, a Roddenberry podcast. A special thanks goes to Karen for being Karen and Chris Mitchell for uh, doing a wikia Christy Woke helped flesh it out you can do stuff on there too all you have to do is like say hey I want to do stuff on there or hey can you guys do stuff because I'm too lazy and they'll do it and who could forget Mr. Jared Formby and his amazing intros you can check him out at www.heystartrek.net also he's super underscore Spock on the Twitters Mike uh, you know, I, I mentioned this last week. Uh, at this point, as we are recording, uh, there is still no Pope. So again, I would like to reiterate, uh, call your your cardinal or any other uh, holy figure you, you may have. Uh, I am putting my name out there 
for Pope. Uh, I am technically Catholic. I was baptized. I have not been into a church in a very, very long time other than for a wedding or a funeral, but uh, neither have most Catholics, at least in this country. So I think that really qualifies me to speak uh, to the the modern Catholics very well. So Mike for Pope. Pope, I'll be Pope, Pope Spock the first eventually. Uh, so I just want to get that out there. Secondly, uh, if you've noticed a, a decline in quality uh, in in our shows lately, it's uh, we we have Wow Internet and Cable to thank for that. I recently upgraded to their Ultra TV service uh, with faster internet. And, uh, and it's been uh, quite horrible. My internet is quite intermittent. It goes out. Many of my devices will not connect to it. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to try and go back to my old service or just switch to Comcast. Uh, I also want to say fuck AT&T because uh, their uh, U-verse service is not available in Berkeley. Um, but you can find me every week on the Week in Geek video show where I review comics uh, every Wednesday or Tuesday, except I think the last week it didn't work because Chris's computer uh, malfunctioned. But uh, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary, uh, so uh, that'll be coming up soon. Actually, by the time you hear this, it will have passed, but uh, go back and check it out. You can check us out at geekfight.net, where we have lists of show ideas that hasn't been updated in quite some some time. We have the brackets we mentioned earlier. We have links to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Tumblr, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. Don't forget to rate, rate and review us on iTunes and the Xbox Live Network. That it's almost impossible. Well, well, same with iTunes now. iTunes is really hard to find podcasts now that they have their whole separate podcast thing. But which is horrible. Rate, it really is. But seriously, rate and review us if you can still find us. We 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 like you. If you'd like to be on the panel, just contact us at geekfights at gmail dot com. Or on Facebook or Twitter, just look for Geek Fights or follow the links on our website. That's all it takes to join the Legion of Geeks! Uh, let's see, next week is Best Fictional Product, and after that, uh, w- w- which one are we doing? Uh, is it going to be Best Best Movie, or is it going to be Number One Badass? Uh, let's do Best Best Picture, because the Oscars will still be in people's memory. Alright, so Best Best Movie is after that. Any and all ideas are welcome. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep fighting the geek fight. Good night. And uh, when I was a kid, even today still, I, I, I don't like taking naps. I don't sleep in the middle of the day. I, I, I'd never been able to. And my grandmother had put me down for a nap. And, well, of course, I wasn't taking a nap. I was up around and walking around. And I heard my grandfather coming up the stairs. And I was like, oh, no. And I ran. You know, I, I was stupid. I, I thought he was going to check on me in the room. So and I didn't have time to get to the room. So I ran into the bathroom. And I, I was small because I, I was a really small kid and I was hiding next to the toilet and uh, he, he was an old man. He just sat down. He didn't notice me there and he started to take a dump and then I, you know, it's like, 
you. And he saw me, and then I got spanking. So, yeah. I, I didn't tell a, st- a poo story during the episode, but it, it is a poo story of a sort. It, it is a poo story of a sort. But it's only because, you know, and, and it's a different grandpa. This is this is Grandpa Shaw, my father's father. My mother's father is the one that looks like uh, uh, Gene Hackman. I should send so, a picture. Hmm. Geek Fights brought to you by Depends. If it makes you happy, then it can't be that bad.